Welcome to Writer's Radio, which broadcasts the beautiful, fanciful, and engaging work of talented writers from our neighborhood and yours. I'm Ingrid Rose, your host for this program, Town Crier Troubadour, with poet Kevin Spence. Kevin Spenced. Hello. Hello, Ingrid. Good to have you here. The word that came to me this morning when I was thinking of you and I was hearing your voice in my head, town crier. Wow, that's uh, quite a thing to have in your head to describe my voice. But yes, I mean, I the crier part, that is cry out and being loud, yes, does describe me in many uh, many instances of my um, engagement with the public in in terms of literature and poetry, for sure. Yes, because you've used more poetic, troubadour, you know, I was thinking wandering minstrel, and I do think that's there because of your love of words. So tell me this combination, love of words, but also wanting to engage very publicly. Yeah, I, well, there is a performer in me. There's, um, I, I have done theater and um, most recently dance um, in front of groups of people. And so it feels to me like the, um, the, the part of me that loves those words, that loves reading poetry and loves writing poems in response to other poems in the world, that's often the quieter part of me. That's the part of me that's maybe in some sort of happy seclusion. And um, as I edit and rework those poems for uh, a presentation. And I think for me, just the idea of presenting something because of my performance background, almost kind of necessitates something kind of big and loud as also a way to stretch those poems into um, another form uh, as they exist out loud in front of other people. And, um, and I love, and it just feels so good. <laughs> you have a real love and trust, I think in words, because often we think of poetry, quiet, private, and yet words are there to cover a space between self and other. And you do this in many ways. Um, I know you take groups out into Vancouver to different parts, you know, both urban and also the places like the forest. When, when did you start doing that? I think it's been a while. 
Well, yes. And actually, if I think way back in terms of a practice of engaging with strangers or in terms of a creative engagement with strangers, um, many years ago, maybe 25 years ago, I had a video camera. I bought a video camera and it was kind of new and exciting to have a little video camera, little um, you know, digital video camera. And my niece, who was uh, a teenager, young teenager at the time, she was staying with me um, for the weekend. I was in Gastown. And I came up with this game. And I'd always made games for my nieces and nephews, but this one was a little bit different. And I said, hey, let's go out on Water Street and let's interview people. And let's just ask people questions. But the challenge, the game part, Candace, is that you have to come up with a different documentary idea for each person that we approach. So they won't be, it's not a real thing in the sense of it's that one documentary about that one idea, but it's going to be a sequence and you're going to have to improvise questions and a topic and then just ask people questions and we'll film them and it'll be fun. And it was a blast. And we worked our way up Water Street and she asked people, it was um, Remembrance Day. So one person she asked about, you know, the war and what they think about war. And then somebody else she asked about tourism. And, and it, was, it was so much fun to see her engage with other people and then see how people transform from a stranger to somebody engaged in this moment of, of reflection. And, um, and I think there's some kind of, um, connection between my practice of, um, well, with the Jane's walks, I took uh, people out and um, through the West End, and we had various poets positioned in different parts of the West End, and those poets read their work, and this group of people that came out for the Jane's walks um, listened to poetry and got to kind of um, hear a heron poem. Diane Tucker read uh, a heron poem at the heronry. And I think that poem was from the from George McWhorter's verse map of Vancouver um, from 20 years ago or so. So it was great to um, engage with the history of, of, of some literature in, in Vancouver and have a have a poet read for a group of people. Yes, I'm picking up. So engagement, play. Where do you find your topics? Like what brings writing? to the fore for you? That's a good question. Um, and I think, it, I think there's a combination of um, just whatever is at hand. So um, right now I'm living in the Stanley Park Manor and that's something that I, I think about a lot, the, the history of this building and the people in this building. And so this is something that I'm writing um, in response to. Um, but I also like um, research and reading and um, I'm at SFU I just finished doing my master's but there um, I've got a little bit of um, work this month there which is fantastic and I love going into the library and the library up on Burnaby campus they have a um, every day of the week um, there's this shelf that has um, new books that have come out so Monday, Monday, there are some new books under the Monday shop and then Tuesday and Wednesday. And I love just sitting in, in front of that um, shelf and seeing what, um, what has been published and what people are thinking about. So I, I also enjoy just um, that sort of more random kind of discovery. 
Mm. Yes, and I know that you're teaching poetry. There's so much interaction, I think, with your work. Tell me just a little bit about where narrative comes in for you in poetry. Hmm, that's, oh, that's really interesting um, to think about poetry and narrative. Because, uh, I mean, perhaps one might distinguish poetry and prose between kind of, well, thinking about narrative as the drive in prose and then something else in poetry, like the moment itself, the moment kind of plucked up from something episodic or something narrative. But of course, there, there is narrative in poetry as well. And what interests me about exploring narrative in poetry is how you can kind of dwell in a moment um, in, in that um, in the realm of poetry. I mean, if somebody's reading a prose piece, they might kind of become a little impatient and they're like, oh, I want the narrative to move forward or there are certain expectations, which certainly you can play with. But I think within poetry, you have a lot more room for it. And here's that word again, I guess, play. And um, yeah, and I think there's also more room for kind of reflection upon narrative itself and what that is. And these days I'm very interested in memory and um, thinking about episodic memory, that is the memory we have of a sequence of events and how that kind of relates to um, literary expressions of, of narrative and how that expresses that um, kind of inner um, template or whatever it is that's kind of behind that certain, that specific type of memory, episodic memory. Do you hear the poem? first so I'm curious and maybe of course it's different for different pieces but I always think that it's interesting to know the process of a writer mm-hmm. these days I think it's often a word that I read or a word that I hear and then that word is and that word is highlighted or there's something around that word and I hear it and then I'm like oh for whatever reason that word just holds something, um, holds something special. And then I'll kind of write that word down with a list of other words that I've been gathering. And then they come together into a poem that may not necessarily, like it may begin with that initial, like, oh, I've heard that word in, a, in this special kind of way. And then maybe it goes it goes dark for a bit or there's something subterranean at work. And then once I'm working on the poem on the page, then um, yeah, as you say, I mean, yes, it is different from poem to poem, but I think in general, then as I edit it, I'm kind of listening for what this poem will be. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Now we're going to hear Kevin Spence read some of his poems. And further in the distance were trees. Under the coffee table, I hid in the shag rug, a dried up bed of seaweed, a garbage dump on a planet with some gravity. Rocketing off on a quest called puberty, my sisters had fled to other planets for the day. I held my breath to imagine all of us swimming 
the easements of water underfoot, underhand. From my beached ear, I heard my father sighing, a baleen wail in the corner of the living room. I pressed my other ear against the cold metal of the heat register, as if the ventilation shaft were a stethoscope for a heartbeat that blubbered through the rooms of our house, as if the shaft were a spout that had once burst in good tidings, as if the duct were a time capsule taking in sounds my lips made against the landscapes of my father's moods. In the distance, a capsule of pills orbited his slowing echolocation. deriding of flim flam. Midway along our King George journey, I nodded off in a claggy corner of the bus, bum-rushed into a world wondrous strange, a land of scrap metal mayhem for a throat-clearing escutcheon scraper and a griffin grappling a horned rabbit at Wally's corner, my gaze gathered up the side of the road, seeking hopoglyphs of a single woman. I swooned at the image merely in mind, and my heart leapt out as a wulpa-dinka. It hopped extra high upon its pheasant wings, bounded down hard on its antlers' shadows, bolted off to I know not where. I sang in a fusion of con and pro well. Tracking myself into a forest named Before Thou Lovest Thou Must. After heartless hours, I came upon a camp of exvangelicals extracting theological thorns from their hides. They spoke of brain pan washing, mindset rust, how they'd swallowed so much of the corpus of Christ their bellies now bloated in disbelief. Awkwardly begast, my insides glittered in fool's gold, too. Love lustered in screeds, weaned as I was on post-Mennonite ballyhoo, chasing ghost bump moments around at Johnson Heights Evangelical, where an angel with a gilt-edged sword severed my sight. I spack of how dimpled hallelujahs danced round my head, and I would give chase. My heart hopped, sniffed at renditions of sexy righteousness, then, under hardscrabble guilt, I'd faceplant. After a gloss of faith, I forevermore shilly-shallied, twixt hosannas and holy shits, like a gambling lamb along hunger lane. After a fortnight, I bid this company of unborn-again tramps adieu, walked my old love-lorn suburbia past the smack-glimmer castle of Guilford towards the skateboards of Clover Bale. That funny heart highballed past, and I ran. It dove into a drain at the basement of my childhood. Abandon all mope, ye who enter, crooned the darkness. Loosed in translation, the uprooted pipes of yore shall crumple done in your fist to flower through your fingers. This will be your torch to her truth, and forbearance shall make your cardinal points to one the other. Epithalamium. 
Your eyes, hydrangea blue, suffuse the scruffy corners of my soul. We could see their shabby auras, you laugh, vis-a-vis the pegging of Protestants. We are both on the blink from antique beams of Christendom schism splintered into our youth. From opposite ends of liturgies, we mouth mouths anew. Avowed lovers of the clean break, we repose over hundreds of years of makeup sex. Jesus double-crossed us both. But your parents sold their second house to help with a wedding, so it will be Catholic. Accent crumpled, your brother reads verse from James Joyce in melodious manglings. The padre understands all too well. When you laugh, you liberate needless deliberations. When you sing, your lashes brush the air once. Your nostrils bloom, your closed eyes seal you into yourself. Blue eye to blue, we vow to take down all our hang-ups, offer the clatter as music in our forever and ever salvage. Of one's tree. Our father was a thirteen-letter word for out of one's gourd. Our father's head was a hoard of axes and o's. I was lucky to have three older sisters, six soft hands to hold me, their fingers interlaced into a nest for keeps. Our father was a sleeper cell of unhinged voices, Jesus whimpering he could help him bring back the dead. In this I was lucky, to have a mother who stood at the base of the tree when our father woke with the mind of an axe. She stood steadfast through all the swings of his moods. In this I was lucky, that when the tree shook I landed with a nest. I wore it like a turtle's shell, while our mother built a brick wall and I laced visions of girls and gigaws into my green home. Our father was twacked, an unpickable combination, far more than any saw-gosh player. In this, I am lucky to still have my sisters and mother, our unspoken arrangements as survivors. When electrical storms come, we swing from branches and sing like wind chimes. How I cling and jangle, longing for love. Desperate for... You've just been listening to Kevin Spence reading several of his vibrant poems. Keep your eye out for this prolific poet popping up with a reading on a street corner or in the forest, in Vancouver and elsewhere. I'm Ingrid Rose. It's been a pleasure to have been your host for this program, Town Crier, Troubadour, with poet Kevin Spence. My appreciation to my hardworking co-producers, Carol Harmon and Gary Sill, who is also our technical producer and composer. And thank you to our listeners. Writers Radio, a non-commercial collaborative project 
which presents talented writers reading their own work. These stories, essays, and conversations revisit the long tradition of oral storytelling that connects us to the inspiration behind the words. Be sure to check the website, writersradio.ca, to subscribe to our free notifications list. It's also a way of letting the writers know you are there and appreciating their creative work. Writers Radio broadcasts from Half Moon Bay on the Sunshine Coast in Canada. Traditional tribal land of the Shishal Nation of the Coast Salish peoples. We express our gratitude for their wisdom teachings and land stewardship. Thanks for listening. <laughs>